you all know that I have two children. They're growing up in age, but I remember well when they were very small. They were usually pretty loud and rambunctious, but every once in a while they would get real quiet, and that's when I knew something was wrong. And so I remember looking to find uh, my child and see what it was that uh, she was doing, and she was under the table sucking out all of the pen, the ink out of the pens. So when I saw this, I, you know, uh, you begin freaking out as a parent. And I'm so glad they have uh, this hotline, it's poison control. Has anybody in here ever called poison control? Okay, I see a, I see a few parents. I, I bless God for poison control. And they had no problem letting me know, uh, yeah, your child is going to live. No, you don't need to call the ambulance. There's not enough ink in the pen to kill your child. I mean, I've called them for several things on several occasions, and I think they're used to frantic first-time mothers. And it's nice, they're, they're patient, and, and they're kind, and they talk you down, and they say, well, if you, if you want something, you could do this, or you could do that, but your baby's going to be okay. And I think that's what I'm going to talk about today, poison control. Did you all know that God has a poison control center also? Um, because the enemy tries to throw all kinds of things our way, tries to throw all kinds of poisons in our way. But no matter what kind of poison the enemy has, God has some kind of antidote. For our sins, God has forgiveness. For our guilt, God has grace. For our hurt, God has healing. For our dirtiness, God's got the power, the cleansing power, the cleansing blood of the Lamb. God has this thing set up nicely if we do it his way, if we follow his instruction and teaching. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. Everybody has problems. It doesn't even mean that we are going to be spared from suffering. It doesn't mean that we're going to be exempt from tests and trials. But what it does mean is that we are going to get benefits that everybody else doesn't get. You see, everybody uh, at one time or another will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But, but on God's plan, we don't have to fear any evil. And the Bible says that when God comes with us, he'll be packing his rod and his staff is with him. Everybody will have enemies that come against them like a flood. But on God's plan, God lifts up a standard against them. Everybody has fallen short. Uh, 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 everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody deserves to go straight to hell. But if you are on God's plan, he says that when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God is faithful even when you aren't. God is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of your guilt. God's got a good thing going on. So if I were the devil, God forbid, 
I would look for some kind of loophole to get around the blessings and favor and forgiveness of God. I mean, it seems that everything is stacked in our favor. And if I were the devil, I would want to figure out how I could block those blessings. How I could turn off the, fa the faucet of favor in your life. The good news is that it's just not possible. The devil can't do that. But the Bible says that we can. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. You all may have forgot, but for some time we were talking about living in the flow of the Spirit. And we were talking about flow busters and things that will mess with your flow the flow of favor, the flow of forgiveness, the flow of the Holy Spirit. Here go one right here. The Bible says that if we don't forgive men their sins, then the Father not going to forgive our sins. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. Did you all read that in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15? And so, in some ways, our forgiveness from God is contingent upon our forgiveness of others. After we receive grace from God, we have to then give it to others. And the same measure we use, that is the measure that God will use with us. So follow me now. With this new information, the devil doesn't necessarily have to entice you to sin. Hello? He can entice somebody to sin against you. Did you hear what I said? I mean, because he knows that you're a good, godly woman, and you are a good, godly man of God. He knows you go to Imani, and, and that you are a kingdom person. He knows that you are walking in the paths of righteousness, and it's going to be hard to pull you down. And so the devil... Instead of trying to mess with you, instead of trying to get you to sin, all he has to do is find some crazy family member. All he has to do is get in the head of your boss. All he has to do is, is get to your neighbor to the left and your neighbor to the right. And if he can entice somebody to sin against you, watch this, and if he can get you to believe it's okay to nurse bitterness, resentment, if he can get you to hold a grudge, because he knows that you can't hold on to a grudge and hold on to grace at the same time, it's either grudge or grace. So if he can get you to construct a wall of self-pity, if he can get you to construct a wall of depression and bitterness and resentment, then he has successfully gotten you to turn off the flow of forgiveness in your life. 
Y'all saying mercy, but it get worse. Psalm chapter 66 verse 18 says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Notice now, this verse does not differentiate between whose sin or iniquity you're holding on to. Did you all hear what I said? It didn't say whose sin. It says if I'm holding on to iniquity, whether it's my sin or the sin that you have sinned against me, if I'm holding on to it, when I call, God might not pick up the phone. The verse says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, I know, I know this sounds a little harsh on God's part. I know y'all are hoping I would bring y'all some good news. It seems a, a little harsh on God's part because God obviously must not understand how crazy our family members are. I mean, God must obviously not understand all that we have been through. God must not really understand the mess we have to put up with day after day after day. But on the flip side, I can hear a God saying from where I sit, uh, it's a little harsh on your part because you have no idea what you put me through. As much mess I had to put up with from you, as much grace and mercy as I had to shell out to you, as many tears I, I, I had to cry, as many chances as I had to issue, as much blood I had to shed, I, I double dog dare you to trip when somebody does something to you. I dare you to withhold the same forgiveness that I gave to you freely. God said you can have as much grace and mercy as you need, but freely you have received. So freely we must give. And though we shouldn't, we do. We find it hard to forgive. We find it hard to let go of the hurts that we didn't deserve. We find it hard to deal with the pain that we didn't see coming. Hard to deal with the injuries that we weren't expecting. But understand that the devil is exploiting this because he knows that no matter how right you try to live, you're going to mess up after a while. And you are going to need some grace sooner or later. No matter how good you think you are, you're going to need some mercy sooner or later. No matter how faithful you portray yourself to be, you're going to need forgiveness. And if you don't give it, you might not get it. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, these are Poisons of the devil that he uses to bamboozle, bamboozle us out of our blessing. That's why the Bible commands in Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, pursue peace with all people. It says pursue peace. It means run after it. Chase that thing down means you've got to chase it. You've got to look for it. You've got to stalk it if you have to because 
Peace doesn't just lay around naturally. Have you ever been to a family reunion? Have you ever been to a funeral? People are messy. They hurt you and they do things to disappoint you, to anger you, and you're going to want to shut down. You're going to want to cut them off. Instead, the Bible says that you've got to pursue peace. You've got to chase after that thing. Otherwise, the Bible says that you will fall short of the grace of God. It says, lest the root of bitterness spring up and defile you. Man, when I read this, it messed me up. I mean, this is saying that I can have it together, that I can make sure I'm not doing any of this and I'm not doing any of that. I can keep my nose clean, but I can get dirty if I get upset that you're not keeping your nose clean. I can get dirty if I become bitter that you are not doing the same. I get defiled not by the mess I'm doing, but by not letting go of the mess you did. The Bible calls bitterness a root. I remember when I was growing up, my mom would always make me pull up the weeds, and she would say, pull them up by the root. And I would try sometimes when my back started hurting or I wanted to go play with my friends or I wanted to go watch my TV show, then I would just pop off the head. I just take off the part that you could see. And, and so to everybody on the outside, for at least a little while, it looked like we had a nice yard. It looked like we had a weed-free yard, but you just wait. Those weeds would pop up, and then they would come back with attitudes, like, you thought you was going to take my head off? What? And then it became harder and harder to pull those things out. Each time they grew a little stronger and, and dug a little deeper and wrapped themselves around the good plan. And how many times do we do the same thing in our lives? We snap off the top of the week. No, I'm over it. Happy Sabbath. We snap off the weeds so it looks like we've forgiven and forgotten. We give the appearance that it's okay. Everybody think it's okay Tell potluck. And then somebody step in front of you. And there we know it was a weed all along. On the surface, we look like we're okay. We're smiling on the outside, but we're cussing you out on the inside. On the inside, harboring all kinds of unresolved issues, all kinds of, uh, uh, of bitterness and resentment, and it is poisoning, poisoning us on the inside. Somebody said that resentment is letting your hurts turn to hate. Letting your hurts turn to hate. And that'll make you sit up real straight because all of us has been hurt. All of us has experienced hurt, and some of us are slated for some hurt this week. And so we're all at risk. So we need to figure out how do we keep our hurts from turning into hate. We hear stories all the time of people getting hurt. I rem I'm reminded of this story of this young man 
and he was a minority, and he was accused of rape. And when they dealt with this brother, they didn't really give him a fair trial. He just got messed over. I mean, the court-appointed defense was a mess. He wasn't a whole lot of help, and, and I mean, he just fit the profile. He didn't get along with his family. His dad wasn't in his life. Uh, and the DA wasn't really interested in getting the truth. He was really just interested in getting another conviction. And so at the prime of his life, this young boy was thrown into jail, rotting for a crime that he did not commit. And so if anybody had the right to be filled with bitterness or resentment or hate, this guy did. I mean, for real. He really did. But this man, for some reason or another, refused. He decided that no matter what life threw him, he would demand that it would make him better and not bitter. Maybe you all have heard of him. His name was Joseph. He had a knack for being set up. Because uh, this wasn't the first time some crazy stuff happened to him. As a matter of fact, his brothers sold him into slavery. Then they faked his death. And I mean, as you're listening to this story, then you're thinking this brother is one that you didn't want to run up to up in prison. I mean, when you read his file, uh, the warrant said, oh, man, this is going to be a live one. I mean, he seemed like he would be the brother that would beat you down for looking at him. It seems like he would be the, the, the brother that, that would just beat you down for breathing his air, for taking his stuff after all that life had taken from him. But the Bible records that Joseph had an excellent spirit. Joseph was so cool that the Bible tells us that the warden let him run the prison. Did you all hear what I said? I mean, and, and this brother was so bad. The same thing happened when he was a slave. He started out as a slave, and next time we find him, he's running the plantation. But this brother went from the pit to the plantation to the prison. But he has such an excellent spirit. The next time we find him, he running the whole country. He's in the palace. When we read his story in Genesis, the Bible says over and over again, especially in chapter 39, that the Lord was with Joseph. It seemed that the flow of forgiveness and, and favor ran freely through Joseph's life. Why? Because he allowed forgiveness to run freely through his life. He did not let the root of bitterness find a place in his heart. See, broken hearts are like broken ground. They're good for planting seed. The question is, whose seed will you plant? The Holy Spirit wants us to draw near to him and allow him to sow seeds of comfort and healing. It'll take some time, but it will bring forth fruit in your life. But the enemy has seeds too. Just like a, a lion can smell blood, just like a lion can, can smell wounded prey, the Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. 
When somebody hurts you, when somebody wounds you, he smells the scent of your wounds. And he comes to you trying to sow seeds of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And then he tries to feed you that lie that if you hold on to this hurt, if you hold on it and you never let this thing go, if you let it make a permanent impression on your mind and on your heart, if you hold on, that somehow holding on to it will protect you from being hurt in the future. But that's a lie. Hear me now. It won't insulate you from hurt. It will isolate you from healing. Did you all hear what I said? Holding on to that stuff will not insulate you from hurt. It will isolate you from healing. Because the devil's weeds get it in you and they choke out the good fruit of the spirit if we let it. But Joseph refused. He said, I'm not going to let you make me bitter, devil. Whatever you send my way, it's going to make me better. So the world is now in famine. Not just in Egypt, but in surrounding lands, there is no food. God showed Joseph this ahead of time, and, and so he was able to have a plan for the coming famine. Now Joseph sat on a throne, and he was in charge of selling grain to those who came near and from far. As he sat there, there was a man in the crowd that reminded him of his older brother, Reuben. I mean, that happened all the time. He would see a, a group of people and just see faces that looked like his people. He thought it was a, a figment of his imagination. And he already dismissed it when he heard that raspy laugh of Asher. Now his mind was really playing tricks on him. Back. He drifted back to all the things that his brothers had done to him. He began to think about it again, and he smiled. It didn't even make him mad anymore. He had forgiven them, even though they didn't know it, because the forgiveness was for him and not for them. Joseph had refused to be locked up in anger and resentment. The whole thing was really a miracle, and it was nobody but God. That's why he named his son Manasseh. Manasseh means to forget. He said, God made me forget all my toil that went through in my father's house. To forget means to disregard intentionally. It means to overlook. It wasn't that he didn't remember everything that went down. It was that he decided to overlook the pain and the hurt. How many of us have lived days that we would rather forget? Times that have continued to plague our hearts and our minds, our haunt our sleep. We would rather forget all that God would help us forget. But Joseph still remembered. But he was able to forgive and move on. See, when God does that miracle thing with you, that, that miracle of forgiveness, you recall the situation, you recall the hurt, but you don't relive the hurt. Do you all understand the difference? You can think about it, but it doesn't have that same sting over and over. I don't even think God forgets. I mean, he knows everything. 
He still knows what you did last summer. He still knows what you did last night. The Bible doesn't say that he would forget. Rather, it says he chooses not to remember. There's a difference that God chooses not to remember your mess. That means that he doesn't bring it up over and over again. I can't remember whether or not I told you all the story about the preachers. I think I did. They were at the convention, and they was running their mouths all night long. And they're like, man, we better get up to the room because, you know, our wives are going to have so much to say. We better get up there before we hear their mouth. But, I mean, it was already late. It was like 2 in the morning. And so they try to sneak into their hotel rooms or whatever, and they see each other at breakfast. Say, man, what's your wife say? Did she, you know, did she get on you? Say, man, my wife got all kind of historical. He's like, man, do you mean hysterical? He was like, no, I mean historical. She started at last night, but then she still went to last week and last month and then last 10 years, and then before we even met, she was going about stuff I did. God says, I'm not going to get all historical on you. I am choosing not to remember and bring up your sins and your mistakes that you have done. I choose to remember them no more. Joseph remembered the situation. He just forgot the sting. A smile was creeping on his face as he thought about his brothers. And just then, his heart stopped. He couldn't blink because standing right in front of him were his ten brothers. All of a sudden, they bowed down, and as he got up, he used those seconds to get himself together. All kinds of emotions were swirling around inside of him. The biggest one was fear. He was afraid the tears that were stacking up in his eyes would fall over and make his mascara and all that black stuff that the Egyptians wore make it stripe down his face. They looked just like he imagined, only a lot skinnier. He, ran, he wanted to run up to them and say, it's me, it's, it's Joseph. He wanted to hug them. He wanted to hit them the whole gamut. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't. He wouldn't. They had to be tested first before he would allow them back in his life. You all hear me well. You can forgive anybody, but you can't invite everybody back into your life. Did you all hear what I said? You can forgive anybody, but you don't have to invite everybody back into your life, especially if they're going to hurt you again. One of the last sermons I preached was guard your heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life, right? So you've got to be a good steward of your heart. You can't invite everybody back into your life. So the Bible says that he began to speak harshly to them and accused them of being spies. They grabbed Simeon. Simeon was the crazy one of the bunch. Simeon was so ridiculous. It was this dude that messed with his sister. And so he went into the city and he made like he was going to let him and his sister get together, and he was like, but you got to be circumcised first. And so then once he circumcised them, he said, the whole town got to be circumcised. And if you don't know what circumcised means, um, I really don't want to tell you. 
and me, you, they had to cut off a piece of their genitalia. The foreskin, okay. And so they're all hurt. The whole town is hurting and weak. Sore, can't hardly walk, talk, or do anything else. And Simeon went in there and slaughtered the whole town. It wasn't enough that he circumcised them. Then he went in and slaughtered them. That's for messing with his sister. Simon was a beast. So Joseph snatched up Simon, or Simeon. He, he, he snatched him up and, and threw him in prison. Simon, Simeon was no joke. And wasn't nobody laughing when they handcuffed him and locked him up. If you all aren't spies, then bring your younger brother that I may see him, and then I will release this one to you. Of course, Jacob, the father, would not hear of it. He would not let his youngest son go. He lost his son like that. He lost Joseph like that. He never really believed that whole animal Adam story. And so he was afraid to allow Benjamin to go with the rest of those crazy brothers. But the food got scarce, and the options became few, and so everybody had to go, including Benjamin. Word came back to Joseph that his brothers were coming, and Joseph demanded that everybody go back to his home. They prepared a meal for him, and he set him up. They framed Benjamin for stealing some of his stuff and threatened to make him his slave. But the brothers wouldn't hear of it. They began to plead and beg and said, no, take me, not this boy. Let him go. Take my life for his. Oh, Joseph's throat was in his stomach and his stomach was in his throat. He had to lay down. He needed to sit up. He needed to run. Uh, maybe go to the bathroom, cry something, everything. It was too much. He sent the servants away and revealed to his brothers who he was. He wept and he wailed so much that the whole house heard him. Nobody moved. Nobody said a word. They were afraid, terrified. Because payback something else. And they didn't know what was coming. His eyes were puffy and red. His face was striped with tears and makeup. His mouth was tainted with, with the saltiness of sorrow and joy mixed all together. His chest was heaving up and down, and finally he was trying to grasp air to talk. It was then that Joseph was able to say, I'm not mad at you, and don't be mad at yourselves for selling me here. Because God sent me ahead of you to save your lives. Joseph said, I'm not mad at you. He saw his life. He saw his suffering. He saw his pain, his hurt, all of it through God's perspective. And he realized that nothing caught God by surprise. That from the pit to the plantation to the prison and now in the palace, God was present. Joseph said, now, I ain't going to lie, I had B for a minute. But I worked through that thing. I learned to let it go, and I learned to forgive. Paul said, there's one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things 
which are ahead. Now, if I didn't know better, I'd almost think that was two things. It almost, it almost, did it sound like two things to you? Forgetting those things which are behind and, and reaching for those things which are ahead. But Paul says it's one thing. Why? Because you can't reach for the things which are ahead unless you let go of the things which are behind. And it's not enough to just let go of the things behind and sit there whining and crying about everything that has happened to you. You've got to pick up the pieces and grab the future that God has for you. You've got to declare and decree that this ain't the end of me. Baby, I'm just getting started. I'm reaching for those things which are ahead. One thing. Different sides but the same coin. One thing. I'm forgetting the past and reaching out for my future. One thing. Because no matter what happened, I know that all things work together for good when they flow through the hands of God. No, they won't all be good but your bad is transformed into my good when it gets in God's hands. One thing, you don't have to worry about me. I ain't mad at you. I refuse to be bitter because God is making me better. Say, so you can hurt me if you wanted to. My God has too much healing for that. You can only hurt me if I want you to, if I decide that I don't want God's grace to heal me, if I don't want God's touch to mend me, if I don't want God's blessing to bind up my womb, if I don't want God's healing to soar up my heart. I ain't mad at you. That ain't me calling your house hanging up. That ain't me sending you hate emails. I ain't touch your tires. I don't even know where you live to be throwing eggs at your house. Honey, I love you, but I ain't thinking about you. My heart is mending. My tears are drying up. I'm, I'm sleeping at night. My pressure is going down. I'm okay. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm not bitter because God is making me better. Now, was it rough? Yeah. Was it tough? Yeah. Were the hills hard to climb? Yes. Did I have to cry sometimes? Yes. Did I ask why sometimes? Yes. But there was no doubt in my mind that God was with me, that he would keep me, that he would hide me. Thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I got my head up got my chest out. I'm no longer ashamed of my past because my future is so bright. God has ordered my steps. He's enlarged my past so that my feet won't slide. He went with me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I would rather walk with God in the dark than be alone by myself in the light. Why? Because there's nothing you can do to me that God can't undo. There's nothing you can take from me that God can't give me back. There's no bad you can send my way that God can't make good. There's no hurt you can send to me that God can't heal. No stumbling block you put in my path that God can't help me over. No 
Nothing catches God by surprise. He had an answer before I knew I had a problem. And he's working it out for my good. No, he's working it out for our greatness. I ain't mad at you. And I'm not bitter. Because God is making me better. As the musicians begin to play, a story is told by the Cherokee Indians. A grandfather was talking to his son, his grandson. And he was telling him about the battle that goes on in the inside of people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves. One is evil, anger, envy, greed, self-pity, guilt, resentment, lies, ego. The other wolf is good. It's, it's love and joy and peace and kindness and generosity. It's truth. It's compassion. It's faith. And then he just stopped talking. Well, the grandson was waiting and waiting and and after a minute or so, he said, well, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed the most. Are we feeding, are we nursing our grudges? Are we feeding our resentments? Or are we allowing the power of the Holy Ghost? Are we feasting on his healing, feasting on his mercy and his forgiveness? You decide whether life makes you better or bitter. That's why the Bible commands pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one We'll see God looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. God is placing on your heart right now somebody you need to pursue peace with. You waiting for them to apologize? You waiting for them to make the first move? Perhaps you thought that peace would eventually come. But you've heard the word of God today. It said, pursue peace. Pull up the root of bitterness and extend the forgiveness that you have come to appreciate. So the call to action today is easy to say but hard to do. Because you're going to answer the call and say, yes, I am going to pursue peace. I mean, that person that's in your mind right now that makes you want to roll your eyes or suck your teeth, you're saying, I'm going to begin the journey of forgiveness. I think on Wednesday night we're going to talk about forgiveness and some of the practical aspects of how to do it. But today is the first step. You are deciding, I am going to pursue peace. I'm going to start this journey of forgiveness. 
if that is your desire, you're saying, yes, I'm going to do that. I want you to get out of your seat and join me down front because I want to pray that God gives you strength, that God brings healing, that God goes ahead of you and starts talking to that person so they don't act a fool when you talk to them. So you're committing, pursuing peace, offering forgiveness, not waiting for them. You're taking this first step. I invite you, wherever you are, come out of your seat and join us down front. But you are still the same if you order my Lord, I'll praise, I'll praise your name. There may be somebody under the sound of my voice. You have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you need and want that forgiveness. You want God to come in, wash you, cleanse you. You want to be able to forget the mistakes in your past so that you can walk into a new future. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that is you, wherever you are, I want you to raise your hand. The elders in this place are going to get, give you a paper. You don't have to come down if you don't want to. They're going to put a paper in your hand, fill it out, and just give it back to them. So praise the Lord, I see you. Anyone else? Raise your hand. your prayer you want God to order your steps wherever you are I want you to raise your hand for those of us who are down here grab somebody's hand make sure you let's touch and agree
Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you in this place. Heavenly Father, we worship you, and I thank you for every single person who had the courage to come down. I praise you for every person who is getting on the road to forgiveness. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would anoint their feet, O oh God, as they pursue peace. Their feet are blessed, O oh God. I pray that you would be with them, O oh God, that you would give them strength and that you would give them boldness, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would infuse them with mercy and, and grace, Heavenly Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, pour on them great healing, O oh God. I ask that you would heal their wounds, Heavenly Father, and give them the power to let go of the hurts before they turn to hate. And Lord, where there is hate, I pray, oh God, that you would allow your love to shower them, oh God. I pray that you would eclipse the hurt, the hate, and the pain. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would go ahead to the person that they are forgiving, oh God. I pray that you would work on their heart and their mind and their mouth, oh God. I pray that you would be in the conversations that they had. Have, be in their mouths and their speaking. Be in their ears and their hearing, oh God. Be in their minds and their thinking, oh God. Send your Holy Spirit. You said that you are the God who tears down the middle wall of separation. The things that separate us from others, you demolish it. And you said that through the blood of Jesus, you bring those who are far off near. And so, Father, I pray that you would unleash your spirit of reconciliation on each person who is standing around you. Heavenly Father, they are blessed as they obey. Lord, they are blessed as they go out and as they come in. Lord, they are blessed as they go on your errands. They're blessed as their feet stay on the path of righteousness and, and pursue peace. Lord, they are blessed. I pray that goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. Lord, prepare a table before them, even in the presence of their enemies. Give them grace. Give them mercy. Cause them to triumph. For greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. Father, we bless you, and we receive this prayer as done with high praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Somebody give God a praise in this place.